Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's Tuesday. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu, being joined from the home studio on the island of Maui by my man, Jordan Helley. What's up, Jordan? How's it going, bro? What's up, man? Going good. Going good. Uh, another week. Back at it. It's football season, so, you know, I can't complain. Yeah, the Little Leaguers came back to a hero's welcome yesterday, returned to the islands after one of the most uh, dominant performances in the history of that tournament. It was the second highest run differential for the tourney, like in the history of the event. And how old is this event? It's like 80 years old or something, something 75, like that. 75. Yeah. So a 55 a run differential in the positive uh, for this Honolulu Little Leagues. So they came uh, they came back home, and, and as expected and anticipated, uh, they were received with a hero's welcome. Uh, those kids very much deserved that after that performance. Uh, as we sort of have an opportunity here, Jordan, to kind of look in the rearview mirror now at what this team accomplished, uh, where do you start in kind of describing just how crazy this was, just how insane this uh, level of dominance was from a team from the islands. Well, it's it's incredible, right? I mean, absolutely dominating. They are a team that, that seemingly had no holes. You know, the other thing that I, I, I didn't hear talked about too much, because of the mandatory play rules in, in Little League, oftentimes you see teams get to Williamsport with like 12 kids, sometimes 11 because, hey, you know, in an 18-out game, you got to get every single guy in at bat or three consecutive outs in the field. And, and so, you know, that, that there are not a whole lot of at-bats to go around, right? I mean, you're lucky you get three at-bats in a, in a Little League game with these guys. I mean, Kiko Pionall was hitting like in every single inning as the leadoff guy. But, you know, that's not necessarily the norm. And so they carried 14. And I know some of those guys missed some games mm-hmm. because of the COVID protocols and things like that. But, I mean, that they, they went there with 14. Like, it's a big roster. For Little League, especially, you know, in the six-inning games, once you get past this age division, it's seven innings. And that seems like a giant leap, really. It's, I know it's only three more outs, but those games seem so much more long than um, – so much longer than a, than a six-inning game, which is an absolute sprint. And so the fact that they went there with 14 guys, there, did, there really didn't seem to be like a hole anywhere. Like, they bring guys yeah. off the bench. They, they put guys in the starting lineup. It's like, well, who, oh, you got a pitcher on this guy. Well, it's like, no, no, no. Do you see the next four guys that are due <laughs> up, right? <laughs> and so that, that to me, was was as impressive as anything because I can't imagine – I can't remember, a, a, excuse me, a team that was that good or, or won it all with that many kids. Like, that's a lot. Five subs, right? So that that's a lot of playing time that you got to divvy up and, and to not skip a beat any time – Somebody goes in there, whether it's for a bat, whether it's defensively. You know, they shuffle things around based on who's pitching on that given day. Just incredible, um, and, and I think you know they they deserve all the accolades. Like they 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 were they were dominant. It's crazy because I think some of their tougher games came in the regional <laughs> against some of those California teams, and then uh, the state tournament even. Like that, those were some of their tougher games, <laughs> as opposed to you know like the yeah. U.S bracket games or something like that it's it's in it's insane and i think the, the to me the create and maybe this is me just being you know a little bit of um a little prideful and and, and uh you know just kind of snobbish at this point it's like <laughs> uh man this is kind of you know we just kind of expect this now you know like if this was a one-off we it would be it would be even exponentially higher i think the the uh the acclaim that they would be getting locally and not that they aren't getting their due because i think they are 
Uh, but the fact that they're the fourth, they're the second in four years, basically, um, it's like, man, this is, we're getting spoiled. We're yeah. getting spoiled. This is this is this is almost expected at this point, which is insane to say because it's a brand new group of twelve-year-old freaking kids every <laughs> single time. But it's almost like, hey, you know, we'll just throw our latest crop of twelve-year-olds out there. We just go expect them to dominate the world. Yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. Uh, fourth time since '05, and I think the other thing that's crazy was it, it was a bit of a paradigm shift, right? In years past, in in other years that Hawaii has won, uh, they have been sort of the epitome of a Hawaii team, right? Where maybe they had a, a few bigger sized kids, but a lot of them were more on the diminutive side. And, you know, they just, they played the game the right way. They played with a lot of heart and they sort of overcame maybe some of the physical uh, disadvantages, at least as it pertained to the matchups with some of these other teams from Texas and, and East Coast teams, that kind of thing. This was completely different. This was a whole different animal. This was a Honolulu Little League team that not only was in the same way, in the same vein and tradition, very detail-oriented, very meticulous in the way they played fundamental baseball, but they were also bigger than everybody, and they were, like, just bigger and badder, and, like, they had it all. There was no, as you alluded to, real weakness. Uh, it didn't seem as though this coaching staff had to worry much about, like, the pitch count limitations. It was like, whoever's out there can just blow smoke and, and just mow through a lineup, uh, and then whoever was at the plate had the ability to go yard. Like, this was just a different kind of team altogether. And I wonder, being the cynic that I am, uh, I wonder if Little League Baseball looks upon this kind of dominance, because we haven't really seen it before, at least not in sort of the modern years of this tournament. Uh, I wonder if they look upon this and think, uh, maybe there's a reason to look at the rules here on how some of these teams are constructed and make a few tweaks. That's a little bit of what I'm afraid of. Of course, as you know, I'm a bit of a fatalist. I'm a bit of a cynic. I don't necessarily have a lot of faith in some of these uh, larger uh, organizations, uh, especially when it comes to success for a team like a Hawaii squad. I'm just wondering, do you think that there's a possibility that that kind of thing can happen? Yeah, look, I mean, for Hawaii, right, I think it would take a multi-year sort of obliteration of the field right for for hawaii they've been really good um you know they've been to the last four world series but they've they've won it they've only they've won it <laughs> twice right they haven't wanted it like those taiwan teams of what was it like the 70s yeah or whatever it and was 80s, when they, yeah. and, and the 80s when they won you know like every single they game. had guys with like goatees on the mound. yeah they, you know it, it resulted in some reform <laughs> uh, you know when it came when it came to um when it came to regulation and enforcement of regulation and things like that, I don't know if Hawaii's on that level, mm -hmm. right? In 2022, sure, like we we haven't seen a team like this, but you know, even the 2018 team, it wasn't it wasn't a team that uh, I think just knocked your socks off quite like this. Like that team was really good, and they're going to have I don't know what like five or six guys probably go play Division One baseball off of that little league team. And so I, I'm not saying that to to knock that group or anything like that, but it just it just wasn't the same fashion in which they they just dominated the field and i do think and, and again you know it's kind of it's kind of funny and nitpicky when, you, when you're talking about these things the field this year there wasn't a whole lot of great pitching to me you know and and especially on the u.s side of the bracket where look man if you don't have a stud and and in years past right some teams they have like that one guy like the south dakota team who had that lefty last year who threw like exactly like chris sale it was kind of uncanny, and and you know he right. carried him. He carried him right to the to the semifinals, basically. And there's years past, right? You have some of these pitchers here and there. There wasn't really 
They were all on the Honolulu team this year. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, (laughs) Honolulu had all of these guys, and and they never faced anybody, I think, that was quite up to that caliber. And the the thing is, and you got to give credit to Honolulu, it's like if, if you don't have one of those guys... Like they're, it's batting practice. Like mm-hmm. they, they are so fundamentally sound. If you put it over the plate, we saw what happened. Yeah, hard hit ball after hard hit ball, home run after home run, and so, you know, it, it's it's not. I think in a way, it's not apples to apples, right? It's it's almost impossible, it, 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 just based on the fact that it's like a brand new group of kids every single year. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, they 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 could look at ways of tightening things up or whatnot, but I, I do think it would take a, a, a sustained period of of just pure dominance to to really start rewriting some yeah. of these rules and things like that you know and and you know the 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 traditional powers i think especially on the the international side weren't quite as quality i think like the japan team bowed out pretty early they're usually like right up in it in it till the end um you know so it's a I think it's a it's something to keep your eye on, but uh, you know this away team—they make you ask some questions. Yeah, oh, I mean because I think for us this is incredible, right? I mean we love every bit of this kind of dominance, but I think you know I'm wondering again. This is the cynic in me. I'm wondering if Little League Baseball as an organization, I'm wondering if ESPN as a partner with that organization that's feeding big bucks into this event, I wonder if they think that that's all that wonderful, right? To have a single team that is so dominant. I just wonder. Maybe they do. Maybe they think that that's good TV. You know, dominance in sports can sell. Um, I'm just, I I am curious as to what their perspective of that would be. And if they don't really like it as a product to have one team so much better seemingly than every other team. I mean, it was like they were playing in the wrong division. Like, it really did feel that way. Uh, And I'm just wondering if, if if Little League... As as an organization is thinking that you know we need to find a way to to make things a little bit more competitive and yeah maybe one year is not enough to spark or motivate that kind of reaction but I wonder if uh, if if there is any thought or conversation behind that but again I'm I'm kind of a fatalist so uh, so don't necessarily. Uh, buy into uh, some of my paranoia. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. You can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at that number. Uh, we're going to talk a little UH football. Uh, not as dominant a performance for Hawaii. Maybe you could say it was as dominant of a performance for Vanderbilt. But yeah, 63-10, to 10, the final on Saturday. Hawaii was back on the practice field today. The media was out there. I was out there this morning as well. Uh, talked with Timmy Chang. Talked with several players. Timmy Chang being very open about the fact that the quarterback competition continues uh, primarily between Braden Shager, who got the start and came in again late in the game against Vanderbilt, and uh, Joey Yellen, who also got some time starting the third quarter. He even mentioned that Cameron Cooper is a guy that could sort of be in the mix, uh, but that search for the full-time QB1 uh, continues. There, there has not been anybody, uh, I think, based on the performance this past Saturday and certainly based on what Timmy Chang is saying, that has taken a stranglehold of that job. We are going to be talking with our resident football guru, Rich Miano, in the next segment to get his re- reaction to the game but Hawaii now gearing up for Western Kentucky Uh, this is what Timmy Chang though had to say about this performance against Vanderbilt let's go ahead and play that soundbite it's just working right you know got to see what our guys uh can do out on the field um you know played a decent half of football and um uh, you know probably a quarter that you really wanted to get back some unfortunate things happened and uh you know we just just got to get better, you know, so we know where we're at now. And then now it's, it's, it's really 
harnessing and having total focus on every detail that we need to and, and holding guys accountable and it starts with me first. You know, when adversity hits, you know, you, you want to try to answer it and, and, uh, and, and respond as quickly as possible with things that are positive and build them up. Uh, you know, I think in the moment, um, you know, we, we didn't stop the bleeding, you know, in that one quarter. Um, but, but, you know, coming back in on Monday and meeting with the guys, you know, it's all positive. You know, it's, it's just being honest with them. You know, that's what we are in film. And so we need to be better. And we need to look. We need to look to get better in all phases and in in every single room and every person that's on that field. And then when we practice, all guys, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Even it's all 115 guys, right? You know, you, you need your scout guys to give the looks. You need you need you need your your guys that are they're in the one deep, two deep, don't matter. They got to do their job, and we as coaches got to put them in position. All right, so what do you sort of say in response to that? I mean, that, that's a fairly blanket statement in terms of the overall necessity for Hawaii to just play better football, and it starts at the very bottom. It's, hey, look, it's the scout team guys trying to give our ones and twos a more realistic look in practice. It's our ones and twos going out there uh, in game situations and executing. I mean, we saw several instances where the alignment seemed to be off defensively. We saw a lack of tackling, certainly, in that uh, second half. Uh, you know how you've played the game, Jordan. You know how much of a snowball effect can take place in the sport of football. You know, Pene Pavihi picks that uh, ball off the one that goes basically right into his numbers. Uh, it was kind of a hot potato throw, but if he hangs on to that, he's in for six. It's a pick six. Hawaii's up 14 nothing. That changes uh, the scope of things. That changes a little bit the strategy, perhaps, for Vanderbilt. That tightens things up maybe a little bit on their side. You have the two freakish, you know, popped football fumble recoveries that are returned for touchdowns uh, by Vandy, uh, and those are, are really disheartening plays. Those are plays that can kind of break the morale, and for a young team, a team with a lot more inexperience this year in Hawaii, um, they seem to get a little rattled off of that. And that third quarter was obviously nightmarish. So when you hear Timmy Chang sort of talk uh, pretty broadly about <laughs> we got to be better from man one to man 115 on the roster, uh, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, you're right. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a sport that is so heavily dictated by momentum right how long can you sustain momentum how quickly can you stem momentum and for the university of hawaii right a couple of landslides there in the second quarter that they seem to steady the ship a little bit right after they went down 14 to 10 they were able to find a drive they were able to kick a field goal i think it was like a 12 play drive solid response albeit hey it ends in a, in three points and not a touchdown and so you're still you know right there you're within a score and then at the end of the half, right, another big back-breaking play, the, the, the fourth down pass mm-hmm. <laughs> that clearly landed in the hands of the guy that was not the intended receiver. And so it's one of those where it's like, man, can, uh, can Hawaii catch a break here? But that, that's the way things go, and you've got to be able to respond to that. You've got to be able to combat that. And I think that is part of what Coach Chang is talking about. And a lot of that comes with experience. A lot of that comes with just having been out there, which a lot of these guys have not. Um, and so... You know, for this group, that third quarter was concerning, right? I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. They scored on four straight offensive possessions. Vanderbilt sandwiched around that uh, that second fumble return for a touchdown. You mentioned missed opportunities. The Pavihi would be potential pick six there. So it, it, it's a lot of those things, right? And so the assessment then becomes, hey, 
how much do you put stock into those, you know, four or five plays that clearly, clearly swung a lot of things, and the overall assessment of, hey, look, we got to tackle a lot better. we got to be able to contain a lot better. A running quarterback like that should not hurt us the way that it did. Right on offense, how do we sustain drives a little bit more? How do we get a little more consistent? How do we take care of the football? You know, we got to be a little bit better of taking advantage, I think, of that, that offensive line and, and what they were able to do, right? And, and, and Deidre Parson, minus the two fumbles, was averaging, you know, over five yards a carry. Like, that's, that's a great start. That offensive line, I think, played better. And then, of course, ultimately the question of who's the guy? Who's the quarterback, right? The old adage, hey, if you've got multiple quarterbacks, you got zero. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case every single time, and I don't know if that's necessarily the case with the University of Hawaii, um, but, there, but that's still a huge question mark, right? Is it Shager? Is it Yellen? Is it Cam Cooper, who apparently is still in the mix, even though he isn't on the two deep like he was last week against uh, against Vanderbilt going into this week against Western Kentucky? So that that's a huge thing, right? It's an offense that I think has an idea, which is priority number one. you got to have an idea and an identity of what you want to do out there, and I think we saw that. Uh, but whether or not that guy exists on the team that is best equipped to run that. I think we saw, you know, some of the limitations of the two guys who did play, and I think that has to do with the run threat, right, the run threat from the quarterback. I don't think Shager or Yellen necessarily, that's necessarily a facet of their game. Not that it has to be, but it's a nice addition, especially when you're running some of these RPOs. I think of the fourth down earlier in the third quarter that absolutely should have been a keep by Yellen. But, you know, you, you get into that, right? You get into the details, and as Timmy said, I think, you know, the blanket talk is a lot to do with, hey, there's a lot to fix right now. Jordan Helley joining from Maui. We have our resident football guru and our uh, colleague on the Spectrum Sports pay-per-view coverage of University of Hawaii football this season. Uh, in fact, our first game uh, for the Spectrum pay-per-view package is this Saturday against Western Kentucky. Rich Miano is going to join us on the other side of this break. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports coming to you on this Tuesday. Kanoa Leahy in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu being joined from the island of Maui by my man Jordan Helley. And we're very excited to welcome to the show via the phone line our resident football guru. Uh, he is a busy man at this time of year. He is Rich Miano. What's up, Rich? How's it going? It's going great. Uh, I got to watch practice today and, you know, you see the resiliency. You see that, you know, they, they've faced some adversity all those cliches, uh, it's only one game. But uh, they're out there practicing hard, and, you know, the coaches are coaching them up. And uh, I think we'll see a different product on the field this Saturday evening. Well, before we get further into this, I did want to remind some people because, uh, hey, we've got to pay the bills around here. Let's talk a little pizza. Domino's Hawaii is fighting inflation with you. This week's special, when you buy two or more items, they're still only seven ninety nine when you order online or on the Domino's app. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy, brought to you by Domino's Pizza of Hawaii. We deliver aloha. All right, uh, Rich, uh, here's the thing, right? We, we, we talked with Timmy Chang after practice, uh, a couple of the players as well. Uh, they all commented on the fact that, hey, look, I think the psyche of the team is okay that that there is not a lot in terms of of self-doubt or friction or dissension at least not as a result of the first game in the first season of the Timmy Chang regime uh, you had Verdell Edwards cornerback who was talking about you know the sidelines spirits still seem to be okay but at the same time Timmy we played a soundbite earlier was talking very generally about the fact that you know we got to get better 
everywhere. I mean, this is this was a performance that just showed uh, we are kind of building this thing back up from the foundation. Uh, what did you view overall in that performance? Maybe the areas that concern you the most and, and the areas where you think like, okay, that's something we can look at and, and feel like there's at least some encouragement. Well, well, I, I agree with everybody has to get better, right? And that's like, you know, the old saying is we got to get better from the head coach to the janitor and not no different hmm. perspective janitors, but Everybody involved in this program has to pick up their game. When you get beat like that, you realize there's a lot of things you need to work on. And then the second thing was I talked to Jacob Euro, the defensive coordinator. He said when he pulled those guys late in the third quarter, not one of those guys went over to the bench and sulked and was disappointed and pissed off. And, you know, MF and everybody, they basically were cheering the second team guys on. And that's kind of the respect that they have for one another, this coaching staff. So I think psyche-wise, they're going to be fine. Now, the, the glaring things that I saw, obviously, the Diedrich Parsons had some the two fumbles that turned into 14 points. Well, he had some fumbling problems early in the last season. He became much better at ball security. The first one was a great head-on-ball tackle type of deal, uh, and that's going to happen. But to turn it to 14 points, those are huge mistakes and huge momentum plays. But I thought they should have run the ball more. I thought they uh, did not give the defense a chance to rest, and some of that was self-inflicted by the defense not getting off the field not doing well on third down, not taking the ball away. But I think this team, to be successful, has to run the ball. Based on the fact that the strength of this team is the offensive line and Deidre Parsons when he's not fumbling. Defensively, you know, blessment to Allah is blessment to Allah. He had a really solid game, you know. Uh, John Tui Tapo needs to play better. The linebackers need to play better. The defensive ends need to play better. The back end, the corners covered. And they tackled pretty well on the perimeter. So there were some bright spots on defense as well. But even in the special teams game, they didn't win the hidden yardage game. They, you know, Shipley didn't punt well, especially coming out of that uh, north end zone or whatever end zone that's closest to the complex. They didn't win even the kickoff battle where they normally do with Kyler Halverson in terms of, you know, they muffed two kickoff returns. It just was not the type of performance that Timmy Chang wants to start his era of coaching off. Very similar to June Jones, how he started off in 99. And, you know, we could talk about that for a month. Hey, Rich Jordan here. Yeah, how much how much of that is, you know, so many of these guys are are, are getting playing time. You mentioned some of the returnees, the guys like Taala and Tui Tupo, but but a lot of these guys, new faces, right? That are that are really getting, even some of these transfers from the Power Five schools, really getting their first run and extended, you know, snaps at this level, at the Division One level. How much of it is that, and these guys just needing to get their feet wet, needing to get some experience? It's huge, Jordan. And, you know, in the NFL, you have three or four preseason games. I think four became three. But you still have those inter-squad scrimmages. In college football, you basically, the lights come on. And this is a new play. This is a new director in Timmy Chang. This is a new cast with 53 guys, as you mentioned. These are new coordinators. So, basically, it's a new script. And then you have Leonard Lee, who was working on Wiley Avenue in a Thai food restaurant last year, out of football for about a year and a half. He comes back, and he said he had butterflies all the way into the second quarter. You're playing an SEC team. You're on national TV. And talking to, again, Jacob Euro defensively, as they gave up 400 yards rushing, there were guys at the point of attack. They missed tackles. They overran. There was some gap cancellation, uh, gap integrity problems based upon one guy. And it wasn't the same guy. So it's not like you can say, hey, let's get rid of that guy. Let's try the second string guy. He'll be at least – uh, lineman and assignment uh, type of guy. No, 
it's guys made mistakes all along the way, and uh, they're not. You can't go to the waiver wire. You can't go to Plan B free agency. You got to get these guys better, and that's what I think. Fundamentally, they'll be better at tackling. They'll be hold the ball hopefully better. They'll take it away on defense, and they'll you know have some big plays. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, Rich, the the, the quarterback question continues, right? That I don't think that was necessarily answered uh, on Saturday. Braden Shaker got the vast majority of the reps. Interestingly enough, he he. Uh, sat for the third quarter. Joe Yelling comes in, but then he he returns for the fourth quarter. They are listed as as either or on the depth chart today. We we learned that that Cam Cooper could still be in the mix as well. Uh, how do you see that playing out? And, and what do you think the timeline is here? Because they're looking at a couple of games where they're going to be considerable underdogs against Western Kentucky at Michigan. Um, and you know you would think it would maybe afford them opportunities to to still give these guys looks, right? As you point out, no preseason, but the pre-conference, if you will. It's a tough schedule. You could see some different guys in there, but but how do you see this playing out? Well, I think that's the most perplexing problem based upon, you know, you would like to have that starting quarterback named two weeks to go in fall camp. Well, it was so close, and this, you know, Timmy Chang and Ian Shoemaker and that offensive staff, if you grade them every day and you're judging them and all the intangibles and leadership stuff, nobody really stepped up. So they have to continue to rep three, four quarterbacks. And when you do that, Jordan, as you know, you just don't get enough reps. And timing in the passing game, you know, is just so hard to get. I remember June Jones on Friday. They'd do 100 plays on a Friday. We'd be back at the hotel lifting weights, and they'd still be working on timing during the season. So you're trying to get as many reps as possible. The problem is, is nobody's stepping up at quarterback. It's a pretty equal battle. And so you're going to go into these next couple of games, you know, even the – Michigan game, and I would imagine Duquesne as well. But then it comes conference play. You would hope they find the guy. And it was like just from a layman's talk, you know, watching the football game and not watching the All-22 and not sitting in with the coaching staff. Who's the starter? They both got rid of the ball quickly at times. They made good decisions at times. They were fairly accurate at times. But then you had holding on to the ball. You had inaccurate throws. You had, you know, not good decision-making. And so – you still have that biggest problem, the biggest conundrum in all of sports is who's your quarterback. Talking with our resident football guru, Rich Miano, via the phone line. Jordan Helley is also joining the show from the island of Maui. Rich, uh, you have lived through this uh, from a number of different perspectives, certainly in your time as a coach. Season openers that just kind of got away from you. Uh, famously, of course, June Jones' very first game as a University of Hawaii head coach in 99 against USC, and that wasn't a USC team that was quite what it was when they came back to Hawaii in 05, that's for sure, but it was still a lopsided loss. How do you keep things together? How do you keep the faith? How do you sort of ward off the feelings of, of negativity and by all accounts it seems as though these players feel as though they aren't doing that but just based on your previous experience what went into that well you know and I, and I talked about this on Bo's football final in terms of you know I thought I was going to get fired that was my first game coaching and although my guy had the interception for the six points and it was 62 to six, <laughs> um, I still thought wow you know everybody played so poorly and maybe this is not I'm not cut out for this type of job and then we faced Eastern Illinois. So it's eerily similar in terms of scheduling, even though Western Kentucky's D1, FBS, there, you know, at that time. But we didn't know who Tony Romo was. And I remember in the first series of that game, they ran a flea flicker, and my two safeties on cover two sucked up to the run, and they threw about an 80-yard bomb, and it was 7-0 and it with about 
30 seconds off the clock, and I'm thinking, like, man, I maybe should go back <laughs> to private practice or something because this is not working out well for the DB coach. And, um, you know, we ended up winning that game late in the second half. We beat Boise State the next year. We had nine wins. It was the greatest turnaround in history. And I don't want people to think this is exactly what's mm-hmm. going to happen to these guys, obviously. But as a coach, as players, you know, the belief system and, and, and they continue to say, hey, guys, we're good enough to win if we watch a little bit more film. We're good enough to win if we tackle a little bit better. We're good enough to win if we possess the ball on offense and take it away on defense. And they are good enough to win if they do those things. But you look at the, you know, defensive charts and you see like zero interceptions, zero cause fumbles, zero sacks. It's almost scary because that doesn't happen even in Pop Warner or high school. So these guys got to make plays on defense. And then offensively, you can't turn the ball over. You know, it's a cardinal sin. You know, you give up 14 points. Those are explosive plays. And then you got to do something on special teams. Special teams last year was not special. It has to be special. You have a good punter. You have a good kicker. You got good cover guys. You got to make something happen. We're talking with our resident football guru, Rich Miano. All right, before we cut you loose, Rich, i uh, got to look forward to uh, Western Kentucky. As you mentioned, this is a good program. Made it to the Conference USA Championship game a year ago. They lost a considerable amount on offense, including their record-breaking quarterback, Bailey Zappi. But a familiar name and face, I know, for you uh, at the coaching helm in Tyson Helton. Uh, he was a grad assistant at the University of Hawaii while you were there. And so there's some familiarity, certainly, in this matchup. But it's uh, interesting how different the offensive philosophy philosophy is likely to be right Vandy was looking to exploit the big bodies up front they certainly did to the tune of over 400 rushing yards uh, but Western Kentucky is going to look to toss that thing all over the field uh, what do you make of this upcoming matchup well I'll tell you Jacob Bureau and that defensive staff has their hands cut off because you know you're going all preseason you know you're trying to prepare for everybody right and then so you're putting in all kinds of different defenses and stuff well, there's going to be different fronts. There's going to be different coverages. There's going to be different, a totally different scheme. You're probably going to see the ball thrown between 40 and 60 times. These guys have been top 10 nationally in passing probably for, uh, the four years of Tyson Helton. He's a guy that, you know, studied under June Jones a whole bunch. He's going to throw the football all over the, the, the lot. And getting those reps last week, and even though, you know, people say they battled it, Austin Pay, the FCS team, and they didn't look that impressive. That one win under their belt and some success in the passing game is going to, you know, bode well for them. And Hawaii, I think one of the Hawaii strengths, and I'll say this defensively, is JoJo Forrest as well as uh, 23 and, and uh, Hugh Nelson and, and those guys on defense. I think on the outside did a fairly nice job uh, in their man-to-man coverage skills. So it's the safeties. Can the safeties make, make plays? Can they overlap? Can they play that center field when it's one high? It, it, can they tackle well? Uh, and that's really from the, the back seven, then they'll have a chance to win this football game. Our uh, former uh, NFL uh, defensive back and DB's coach saying that it comes down, surprisingly, to the DB's. That was an answer that we should have anticipated from you there, my man, Rich Miano. Hey, I uh, love you, Rich, for real. Thank you for uh, giving us some time. Looking forward to working the game here this Saturday with you. Have a good one, man. I got to spread a little defensive love around because I know Jordan's killing that quarterback offensive stuff. So, you know, defense wins championships. Sell some tickets on the offense. <laughs> there you go. Rich Miano, uh, once again, we thank you for joining us. Uh, he's talking about tickets. By the way, uh, we will be giving away a pair of tickets to this game Saturday on the other side of this timeout. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be doing it via a trivia question. We'll be giving away two tickets to Hawaii and Western Kentucky at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex. But first, a uh, 
reminder, listen to the Rivals Fantasy Football Show presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Ask our weekly fantasy experts for advice on your team and win NFL memorabilia Wednesdays at 8 a.m. on ESPN Honolulu. All right, uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. Let's Talk Sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Big thanks once again to our resident football guru, Rich Miano, for joining us via the phone line on that last segment. Uh, once again, welcome back to Let's Talk Sports on this Tuesday edition of the show. I'm Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Jordan Helley is joining from the island of Maui. Let me give out the number because we are about to also give out a pair of tickets to Hawaii and Western Kentucky football this Saturday. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number. Uh, you have to call in because we're going to use a trivia question uh the correct answer will get the tickets you got to call in in order to provide the correct answer if you do want to text in though with any question or comment you can also do that at the same digits via the zephyr insurance text line uh but here we go all right get ready get your phones ready uh for two tickets to hawaii and western kentucky this to me is super simple this should be a very immediate uh gift of a pair of tickets with this trivia question among the NCAA records set by former quarterback, now head coach Timmy Chang in his UH playing days was career yards, 17,072, all right? But he is now second on the all-time career passing yards list after being surpassed by what other quarterback? So in other words, Timmy used to hold the record when he was playing. Uh, but that record got surpassed. Timmy is now number two. Who is number one? 808-296-1420 is the number to call. We have a caller on the line. This is Keel. Keel, do you uh, – is that is that how you uh, say the name? Oh, I'm sorry, Keale. <laughs> I misread the uh, the letters there typed on the screen. Uh, Keale, sorry about that. Do you have an answer? Oh, what was the question? Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. You're calling in to get in. I see how you're playing this. It's a little strategy. Among the NCAA records set by Timmy Chang in his UH playing days was career yards, 17,072. But he's now in second after being surpassed by what other quarterback? Oh, I don't know that. Oh, Keale. I'll try. All right. That's all right. Thanks for calling in. Well, you can try again. Uh, maybe in this instance, it would have been better off if he went by Keel, just to uh, be more, uh, you know, inconspicuous here. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Ken. Ken, do you have an answer to the question? Is it Case Keenum? It is Case Keenum. That's right. In fact, uh, if it was going to be prolonged for a little bit, uh, I was going to suggest a hint, and the hint would have been you could say that this quarterback was also, like Timmy, a UH quarterback. Case Keenum, of course, who broke the record in his time as a quarterback at the University of Houston. Can stay on the line. Uh, Tiff is going to get all of your information so that you can uh, scoop up the tickets. Uh, thanks a lot, man. You knew that pretty quickly. Thank you. All right, have a good one. Ken, getting the tickets. Jordan, that was uh, that was pretty good. It went to the second call. I actually was surprised. I kind of thought this was going to be like a quick hitter. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, 
I think he, he needed a, a little flustered. Kelly was a little flustered. You know? <laughs> it was the so. name. It was the name mispronunciation. I think that just like threw him off. He was going in blind. It, it, I, it you was. Know? It was all. It was really that one was on me. Uh, Kelly, I'm sorry. That one was on me. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. If if that threw him a little bit off, but I like the strategy. The strategy of like, let me just call in, and then I'll hear the question, and then I'll have the opportunity to answer the question. But he just uh, didn't quite have it off the top of the head on that one. But Ken came in uh, like a rocket. And he was able to claim it. Uh, Case Keenum is the answer. Yeah, so uh, Timmy Chang currently, uh, for those who are trying to keep score here, uh, Timmy Chang currently second all-time, 17,072 passing yards in his career. Case Keenum, who broke the record in 2011, 19,217. By the way, single-season record was set last year by former Western Kentucky quarterback Bailey Zappi, who threw for 5,967 yards almost 6,000 yards for Bailey Zappi who I believe uh, has not yet been cut he's still with the Patriots uh as uh, as he tries to uh, parlay that into a professional career but uh, yeah uh, probably good news that Bailey Zappi isn't with uh, Western Kentucky anymore however uh, Western Kentucky's offense still showed some signs of being pretty formidable uh, behind quarterback Austin Reed who is a uh, grad student now uh, actually played with West Florida and won a Division II national championship with the West Florida Argos back in 2019. So he comes in with some uh, experience and and some uh, winning pedigree uh, as well. That's going to be a tough matchup here uh, coming up on Saturday. Yeah, and and I I got to imagine, and and I didn't get uh, I wasn't privy to all the information, but I know that um, was it Jared Dagey was uh, one of the transfers that they brought in. Everybody presumed that he was going to be the starter. You know, I, his pedigree at, at West Virginia, where they throw it all over the lot as well. Um, and then he kind of abruptly in the middle of camp transfers to Troy, yeah. right? Which which is honestly a, a step down from where Western Kentucky is in terms of the pecking order. And so that kind of led me to infer that, look, they, they, they like this West Florida guy <laughs> over Daigie, which I think might have been a little bit of a surprise. But, uh, you know, the, the transfer from, from West Florida seems to be – seems to be the real deal at least in their eyes and and the latest in what has become a a kind of long line now of western kentucky quarterbacks that could just spin it all right well uh we heard a little bit from timmy chang after practice this morning but uh, so much more to hear from coach chang on call the coach with timmy chang it is tomorrow every wednesday in fact at 6 p.m at ruby tuesday in the moanalua shopping center you can call or text in with your questions and comments to john venary and coach chang brought to you by ruby tuesday hawaii ibew local 1186 hawaiian financial federal credit union hawaii pacific health and paxa all right on the other side of this break we're going to do our best and worst you're listening to let's talk sports let's talk sports with kanoa Leahy is brought to you by domino's pizza of hawaii We deliver aloha. Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the PAXA studios in Honolulu, being joined from the island of Maui by my man Jordan Helley. All right, so this is the fourth quarter for us. It's the home stretch. It's crunch time. That means it is time to unveil our daily best and worst. What are you coming with with your best here, Jordan? Yeah, my best for this week's going to be... Um, are you eating something? The, you, uh, you couldn't wait until the end of the show to yeah, eat I, something? Was, it was like a lozenge that I was trying to get rid of. 
<laughs> I needed something for my throat. I mean, you're a professional announcer, are you not? I mean, this uh, is like old hat for you. Yeah, yeah. Some, hey, every once in a while, you know, we got things to work on. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. My apologies to everybody out there. I was trying to get, I was trying to get rid of that thing, and uh, ran out of time. Well, I'm and glad you didn't like, you know, as long as you don't choke on a lozenge, that would be disastrous. Yeah, that was time. what I'm I was trying. Okay. That's what I was trying to avoid, uh, but it, but instead opted for, I guess, the better of the two evils. <laughs> Uh, it just sounded like I was munching on something on live radio. Um, speaking of munching, uh, my best is uh, Raisin Cane's opening up on Maui this week. Raisin Cane's, and I'm sure all the Oahu people are like, "We already got Raisin Cane's. We got a, we got a new, we got multiple Raisin Cane's." You're right, but you know what you don't have? Chick Fil A. That's also opening up this weekend. Yeah, it's and so be that a, is the best. It's going to be a chicken fest. For the week. It's going to be a yeah. chicken fest on Maui. That's right. That's right. They're on the same street. It's going to be an absolute nightmare with traffic, right? I mean, it's like they're like literally on the same drag. Yeah, I mean because you know, for as Sonic's great... opening up literally down the road. Yeah, it's a fast food sort of combustion going on here in the islands. But for real, like I mean, because for as great as Chick Fil A and Raising Cane's is known to be, uh, they're not necessarily known to also be the the fastest drive-through joints, right? Mm-hmm. And so those lines can kind of stack up. There is going to be a Chick Fil A, I think, opening up though on Bear Tanya Street. There might be even a couple locations. I don't really know all the ins and outs. Uh, but yeah, Raising Cane's has been here on the island of Oahu for a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, I, I, I hope that you uh, eat uh, chicken to your heart's delight there, Jordan. That's right. We, we, we got, we got um, chicken chicken all day. But just, you know, not on the air next time. All right. Uh, uh, no promises. <laughs> my best is this is a very easy video clip on social media uh, within the last few days. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, it shows Terrell Owens running a 4-4-40 at the age of 48. That's right, running a 4-4-40 at the age of 48. If you are an exec in the NFL, you're not tempted to maybe just make a phone call to Tara Lones and be like, all right, so you think you can maybe make a, like run a route at that speed at the age of 48 or what? Can you make he a pro- cut? He probably could. Wasn't he playing in that like fan-controlled league or That's something? Right, Was yeah. he in that one too? I think so. Yeah, I think he could still probably play. Yeah. He's I don't of, think he'd be great, but I think he could probably still go out there and catch he's, a few he's, balls. He's kind of a freak, that's for sure. All right, what's your worst? My worst, uh, Danilo Gallinari, uh, tearing his left meniscus for playing for Italy, the Italian national team, in the uh, in a FIBA World Cup qualifying game on Saturday. And I bring this up because it's always a bummer because right, I'll, the argument from like the NBA says like we don't want these guys to go play overseas, but I, I just I'm a big fan of when the big stars. Uh, or the NBA guys, you know, whatever you want to classify Gallinari, it, go and play with their national team. I think it's a lot of fun. Like, Luca's out there just doing Luca things for Slovenia. You know, Gallo's playing for Italy. Like, I, I mean, it makes it fun. I, I enjoy some of the, the summer national team basketball. Yeah, I think between that, what happened with Chet Holmgren, uh, some of these guys yeah. might decide to uh, not be so open to playing some summertime hoops, whether it be international ball or at some of these pro-am events uh, because, you know, they got to make their money, man. They got to make their money, and in order to do that, they have to be healthy. That's a that's a big motivation uh, for them, for sure. Uh, all right, my worst is I don't know if you saw this. Jalen Rose, uh, of course, a former NBA player, member of the Fab Five, now an uh, on-air personality with ESPN at a PGA Tour Champions event in Michigan this past weekend. Uh, he attempted to hit a golf ball off the tee. It was like a par three, and I got to be honest, he failed like miserably. He missed the ball. A multitude of times, like 
over a half dozen times he missed the ball, like whiffed at the ball. And, hey, look, I am not trying to, and you know my golf game, Jordan. I am pretty terrible, so I'm not trying to say that I am, you know, this golfing expert or anything like that. But this professional athlete who is known to have this incredible hand-eye coordination, you can't make it to the league without having incredible hand-eye coordination, uh, he missed the ball like over a half dozen times. It was uh, it was pretty brutal, and he was wearing, uh, symbolically maybe, an Aiden Hutchinson Detroit Lions. <laughs> Uh, jersey so that just made it all the more painful for me that's for sure yeah i'm just learning about this i'm watching the video now is that jack nicholas that comes over to try and help him out yeah so that was actually the funniest part is oh my God. golden bear comes like over 10 times. jack nicholas like jack nicholas was was he was watching this thing he's like i've seen enough and so he walks up to jalen and they, he has a microphone right jack nicholas does and so you know there are thousands of people at least hundreds of people who are surrounding this tee box uh, all the way down the fairway to this par three green and jack nicholas grabs the club from Jalen Rose and says, all right, you see this thing? And uh, Jalen's like, yeah. He goes, this is what you hit the ball with. And it was like, oh, my God, what a burn. And, like, everyone's just like, ooh, and they're laughing. And then so he kind of gave him a, a real brief type of, of uh, on-the-spot makeshift lesson. Like, all right, so you pull it back this way, and then you let it through this way. And Jalen Rose uh, tried it after that, and he at least made contact with the ball. But it went, like, it went like 19 feet or something in front of him. But he at least, like, made contact with the ball. But it just astounds me. Like, this is a professional athlete, um, you know, Physical endeavors, I think, come easier for these types of individuals. But uh, I guess the game of golf is the great equalizer, right? Yeah, it, it's it's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> I just I'm mesmerized by this swing. It's terrible. <laughs> Are you watching it right now? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've been watching. No, that. it's the first time I've seen it. So that was the first question that came up: was is his swing worse than Charles Barkley? And hey, look, hitch or no hitch, Barkley's making contact. So I think his clearly has to be superior. If you're at least making contact with the ball, uh, you got the better golf swing. All right, that'll do it for us. Big thanks once again to Rich Miano for joining the show. Tiff Wells working the board. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you. And Jordan, thanks a lot for joining as well from the island of Maui. See you tomorrow, everybody. Let's talk sports.